Hello, I am Tracy Hitchings. My guest today for the second time is Dr. Prog. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to you wherever you are across the globe. I am transmitting from the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia, and you have tuned into Tracy's Prog World. It's a beautiful sunny morning here in Lakewoods, and I saw the bats fly back to their colony here at 4.30 a.m. this morning. Uh, a brand new song going around in my head would not allow me to sleep any longer. So a good cure for creativity in the early hours of the morning, anyone? Natural remedies only, please. <laughs> I hope you're all good out there and looking forward to another show. And as I've mentioned now and again, when I started out on my journey as a podcaster, I was calling out to pre- and post-menopausal women to help shape the show by giving me advice. So I vlogged on what was important in my life, which for the show was reconnecting with the prog world and health, well-being, natural healing, and of course, medical, medical as well. So I'd like to thank you once again for your questions. You emailed to me at tracyhitchensmusic at gmail.com. We'll get back to them shortly with the help of my next guest. So with no further ado, welcome on the show for the second time, Dr. Prog. Thank you, Tracy. It's nice to be back. Thank you. It's great to have you back. So how is it going where you are at the moment? You're not too far from me, I know. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's been a hot day on the Gold Coast, as you know, yeah. Tracy. Summer's coming upon us down here, down under. Getting very warm now. So um, I hope the surgery is buzzing by now and... Uh, and uh, as we're buzzing down here in Little Lakewoods, but a lot more quietly so. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so Dr. Prog, if you'd like to um, just share with people your credentials, that would be wonderful. Oh, well, I'm six foot two, uh, tall, dark and <laughs> Oh, I wasn't quite talking about those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. Prog. Okay, look, um, medical degree in uh, Queensland University, Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery. I've also done a graduate diploma in family medicine, general medicine, family practice. Yeah. I have a, a diploma in pain management. Uh, I'm also a level three skinner therapist for electronic health. And um, Yeah, and, and you did mention flying doctor, didn't you? Oh, I was a flying doctor, but of course that, that, that takes all of those things. Oh, yeah. Just a small detail. One of my favourite things about you, you know, because the stories are wonderful, as people may have heard on um, the Flying Doctor programmes, please go and check them out on Tracy's Prog World. Um, you just scroll down and you'll find it all there. But um, so you've had some people, um, I've passed on to you, uh, people, what they'd like to talk about. And But one of the questions that did come in from people talking about um, issues, medical or, or whatever, um, one or two people did say they don't necessarily want to give their name uh, they don't feel comfortable because if they want to talk about something that's embarrassing or well, they just don't necessarily want to share their name so doctor how do you feel about um, them contacting you in future should they wish to would you be happy to give your email at the end of the program yes of course I can I can provide the um, the email that I'll be using for for your program and I can answer all questions and bring them up in programs from time to time whenever I get a few to talk about for you. And the person, the person wishes to re remain anonymous, and um, I think we can very well honour that. I'll honour the usual doctor-patient um, contract and um, 
Yeah, I think that's the Hippocratic Oath, isn't it? It is. It's Hippocratic Oath. Of course. <laughs> of course, we're anything. So, where are we going to start today? Well, you've given me three things here to look at, which I'm looking at. Well, yes, I know. And I wondered about nosebleed. <laughs> Number one was uh, one of your clients was talking about major nosebleeds. Number two was back pain. And three was depression. All of those three things can be seen in this kind of um, age group. Yes. We'll start with number one, the nosebleeds. Well, that could be just because the um, the skin of the lining of the inner nose, the inner vestibule of the nose is, is weakened. It might be an infection. A cough or a sneeze or a strain picking up a weight could be enough pressure to break those blood vessels, those microscopic blood vessels and cause a nasal bleed. Uh, there could be, um, as you get older, there could be a tumour. There could be a small lesion in the nose which is bleeding and it's the first time it's been shown up. People who scratch their nose a lot often get nosebleeds or from chronic ulcers, but chronic ulcers can cause problems too. They can become cancerous. So if it's a common old nosebleed, I would recommend trying to find a cube of ice, suck on a cube of ice, one or two cubes of ice, and with your thumb and your first finger, you, you pinch the end of the, the fleshy part of your nose mm. and you just breathe out of your mouth while you suck the ice. If you do that for three to five minutes, you'll usually be able to let go of your nose and the bleeding should stop. Can I just ask you a question about that? Did you say you're holding your nose and you're sucking on a piece of ice and you're trying to breathe in and out of your mouth as well? <laughs> now, did I get that right? Let's go through that again because I'll go and try this. <laughs> it can be complicated. Oh, come on. It's sort of like throwing a kid in the pool. They'll learn to swim real fast. If it happens for the first time, just trust me, put a lolly in your mouth, grab the, grab the nose and talk like a Dalek, okay, <laughs> and then you can breathe in and out of your mouth and it's quite okay. It does work quite successful. The next thing, of course, is to find out whether or not this happened. If it does happen again, you go. You should see your doctor so he can look up your nose with a little telescope and make sure there's no lesions which are of any danger. Um, well, The other thing, please, if I can say, is to avoid hot drinks, at least for 24 hours, because a hot drink will open up your arteries and dilate them and cause more bleeding. So at least just give the little blood vessels a chance to heal up. I've always had nosebleeds and I just think it's thin skin that gets very irritated and I'm always blowing my nose and, and uh, I can't, you know, when it gets really irritating, you can't help but pick at a scab that's just inside your nose. And obviously it must be made worse over time. Yep. So with the nasal bleed, it's important to exclude anything dangerous. If you do find yourself scratching your nose and causing bleeding regularly from a sore that keeps recurring, then that should be looked at and allowed to heal properly so that it doesn't become something that needs more than just uh, time to heal it. So would you first go to your doctor and he would then put you to an otolaryngologist or is it, would it be somebody different because it's nose? Oh, no, a GP can do that. A GP can look up your nose and, and make sure it's not too big or not too suspicious. And if it is, then he, he would refer you off, he or she. And what might be the next stages if you've got something there that's um, 
been going on like that for years, like in my case? What what could be the possibilities? Can you? T- well, you just have it checked, and you go and see the doctor, the specialist, the ear, nose, throat specialist. If it's he'd take a biopsy, perhaps with some local anaesthetic, send it off to make sure it's not to uh, to assess the extent of the disease, and then be guided by the report there. I suppose, yeah. Okay, that's very very interesting. So. As we swiftly move on, <laughs> I don't, you was talking about back pain. Actually, I mean, um... well, yes. Well, as you as you pick your nose and you cause the bleeding, you turn over and you bend over and you hurt your back, and then you get your back pain, which uh, causes, uh, from statistics, thirteen million working days lost in Britain each year because of back pain. Isn't that incredible? You're going to get twenty four fragile bones up and down that back, and it supports your whole body your whole body weight, and it's understandable sometimes how things go so wrong. It's because of the complex nature of the back that um, back pain can exist for a few days after you do trauma to it. Now, trauma may be something mild like the weekend gardening uh, or, or it could be uh, after a, a game of soccer in the UK or uh, football Aussie rules in Australia. So, but it could be the weekend warrior. So you're going to have sore muscles and and all it needs is a few days of um, rest so the inflammation can settle and you're back to normal without any damage to your spine. But <laughs> um, a lot of back pain for the menopausal prog rocker, sorry, is, <laughs> is due to wear and tear. You know, it's running around the stage during doing the cartwheels and um, doing your major performance and carrying heavy weights. But, uh, yeah, you can get arthritis of the lower back and that can cause pressure on the nerves that run down the back of the legs and uh, stiff back. So that happens a lot in menopause and uh, perimenopausal years. In many people, of course, some people don't suffer from these things. They they're just very uh, hmm. they're very lucky genetically that they um, don't uh, degenerate as fast as others. The third thing that I've that that was expressed in your um, in your letters was depression, and of course that is an illness itself involving the body, um, the mind, and the thoughts that we have. If you get depressed yes. or anxious. You know, what's anxiety, what's depression? They go hand in hand sometimes. It really affects how one sleeps and how they eat. Sometimes if you're depressed, you you tend to go to the fridge a lot and feed yourself. Yes. Some people go the other way and they, and they get so depressed they don't eat. They go really within themselves. Mm. And then it's the, uh, the problem is trying to find out what the major reason for the depression was, whether it was... Uh, something which was uh, aggravated by something in the environment or is it something which is um, innate in their genetic build-up which is just uh, expected to um, activate at a certain age or with certain aggravants. Um, A lot of those things are just age-related, Trace. You know, and um, um, on on the other hand, in in my world, because I'm into the natural healing and energetic healing and other science healings as well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? How how um, the two different worlds have their their differences and can come together quite beautifully. But for me, with the back pain and the depression, um, I would really be looking at uh, my own deeper causes, my own inner life, my whole body system why the weakness has gone to that, why the weakness for me went to the breast for with cancer, the left ovary for cancer, 
and RB looking on a more epigenetic level. So that's quite interesting. These are, these are the differences that uh, are now being recognised on both sides, depending on what you're comfortable with as well, isn't it? Um, and also with the Skinar, these, um, where would the Skinar come in? Because we're both trained as Skinar therapists. So how would that come in with the back pain in different ways and depression? Because uh, would you like to just talk about that with regards to those two? Hmm, yeah, sure. Well, first of all, we'll start with the Skeeter therapy. <clears throat> Skeeter would be in a non-cancerous uh, condition or state. Skeeter therapy, which is electronic um, pulse therapy, would be very good for the acute inflammation aspect of the back pain. If you treat a person in a higher frequency um, and um, give them the required doses, you'd be able to stabilise or... or um, disperse the inflammation in the, the area underneath the skin, the subcutaneous skin and the muscles. So the, the electronic pathways would be restored and uh, healing would take place a lot faster. In fact, you know, even after one hour's skin therapy, people you know, often get up and they've got great range of movement, a much improved range of movement and much less pain. And often they're very more relaxed and less stressed which is uh, very good. But that's uh, for the skin of patients. With the depression, though, uh, I'm not saying that you mentioned quantum healing hypnosis. Those, they're on the same page, but they're in the Venn diagram. So even though they're, they're in their own world, they do cross over and there is an overlap for the same frequencies where, where they're both helping each other. You know, I'm not advocating drugs all the time, but uh, sometimes some people do need chemical assistance. Yeah, there's a time and a place, isn't there, for... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that they yeah. don't become suicidal or uh, what have you. So there are variations. There are variations of severity of the illness. I mean, myself personally, I don't remember the last time I took a pharmaceutical drug. I just don't go there. It's just not comfortable for me. But I understand with friends I've spoken to in a moment when it's very desperate, and I'm talking about ailment and disease. I'm not talking about if you've had an accident, because again, like if, you know, if I hadn't had an accident, the first person I'd want is a, a doctor, a surgeon, and all the drugs on earth, you know. But I'm talking about ailment and disease is where I have a very different out outlook and more where I'm comfortable but I know friends who've told me in the moment of when they have suffered or there's two people I have in mind from depression in that moment when they were prescribed that drug it was the best thing that happened to them it helped them get through a period and then they did come off it and they sorted themselves out they did look at themselves more holistically afterward in order that they wouldn't become you know just reliant on that but it was the perfect thing in the moment so everything does have a balance if it's if it's looked upon in a more um, sensible level, isn't it? So is that, does that make sense to you, Doctor? Well, thank you. Yeah, no, look, I, th I think you've got to, we all should look at the whole problem, the holistic approach, that's what they mean. Look at the whole picture and then make a decision. If you, if you just look at the exterior of something, you're never going to understand how it functions. So you understand how it works, you understand the disease process, and then you you go to where the problem is. You know, you turn off the problem at the at the source, and uh, and then the body will return to normal. So there you have it in a nutshell, as they say. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's very often when you're getting to the source of it. A person's really looking at themselves and their lifestyle, and sometimes in in my case, it's things I really had to look at giving up 
you know, um, things that weren't doing me any good, things that make you acidic, the system acidic, so you're susceptible to illness, things, you know, bad habits, like too much drink, or it could be anything, couldn't it, too much of the wrong food. And uh, it's it an interesting thing, because I know you and I have been very interested in the um, the gut thing, related thing, and because we're both very sort of pro uh, Dr. Gundry, and you were talking to me that the, the cases and things that you've been coming across recently about the gluten and the gut problems. So what can you um, more can you tell me about your own um, interests in that at the moment? Because I know we love this subject. Well, it's all about um, gluten. It's uh, but gluten is not really the only problem. It's only the tip of the iceberg, and often those who consider themselves like gluten intolerant, even if they've been um, been. Um, diagnosed by the doctor might just have a gluten sensitivity yes instead everyone should be talking about lectins because gluten is a lectin just one of the many found in wheat that's right and this is the thing this is very so much misunderstood and the way things are written on packages are also still very misleading so doctor if you can explain what is a lectin exactly Lectins are plant proteins. They're found in all sorts of uh, members of the vegetable kingdom. Not all lectins are toxic, but many are. And when you've got a lectin intolerance, you don't want to ingest any one of these plant proteins because the consequences are pretty severe. Let's just say you decide to go to your doctor, give your gut a favour, cut out the gluten. It may help by adopting a gluten-free diet, uh, but that doesn't always fix the problem. But uh, you'll feel a lot better once you do that. Exactly. So, um, and again, with lectins, um, what people are unaware of, um, you know, I don't know anybody out there that's aware of lectins at all, but uh, a tomato is a lectin and it becomes less a lectin if you remove the seeds and the outer skin, which is what the Italians have been doing for donkey's years because they already know this stuff. Yeah, there's lots of different types of proteins, um, <clears throat> different things, but we're basically talking about the vegetables and things. Um, well, people with chronic uh, in, inflammatory bowel disease, such as colitis, ulcerative colitis, um, Crohn's disease, terminal ileitis, when they have exposure to a lectin in, in diet, which their body shouldn't have, the body will respond in a very painful, uncomfortable physical response, including um, gut ache, um, bloating, nausea, gas, even diarrhoea. The individual soon learn, oh, dear, I know I've done it again. I shouldn't have yeah. eaten that. Those people would learn very yeah. quickly what a lectin is and what yeah. foods have lectins. And you mentioned a few, the, the nightshades, the capsicums, the peppers. I suppose we should really tell people what the safest things are, and that would be like the broccoli and the cauliflowers. You mentioned, and also nuts. Or nuts. Oh, hazelnuts. If you have you like hazelnuts uh, almond nuts. The almonds, you need to soak them and take the skin off of almonds and then you're fine because the lectin is actually in the skin. But um, you have to take off the skin. Those are the ones where you do so. But I think the nuts to actually avoid, if if anything, is um, peanuts and uh, cashews are highly dangerous. And you can go into every health shop, the best organic shops, and there they are spread through everything, even in their health shops. But this good old Dr. Gondry, who's the most one of the most famous heart surgeons and now he's um, got this massive, what he's called, he's got the book out called The Plant Paradox and, uh, and the uh, Plant Paradox Cookbook. 
if, if any of you've got this going on with you, if you recognize things that doctor's been talking about, just check this out online. I mean, this is a big business guy now, but he knows his onions, but there's a lot of people that don't like him because a lot of people that have trained in in nutrition have been trained the um the well the, the sort of governmental way that they're trained and it's kind of behind times isn't it things are behind time this guy's way ahead of time yeah there's a lot of um you mentioned nuts tracy the the other important things are the foods people i mean people eat more than nuts the soy is not good for you either everyone loves soy and oh, everyone loves this soy and this sushi mm. you know which is White the potato. rice is bad for you mm. too mm. the barley the lentils the lima mm. beans the kidney beans and the poor old potato um the white potato mm. and the split peas yeah, yeah. and, of course, the wheat. Yeah. And if you go into the supermarkets, if you look on the back of the yeah. box of everything, it's, all of these bad foods are in everything. They're, they're everywhere. And our gut mm. is always chronically inflamed. And the bad thing about the chronic inflamed state of the gut is that you get a condition called leaky gut, which means that the lining, the very thin lining in your gut wall is damaged and the protective layers um, are no more and viruses and bacteria that are attached to foods get into the damaged tissue and get into your body and yes. to the organs of the, right. your body and uh, it actually starts to make you age faster. Dr Gundry often said that. He said that after you, know, you go to the trouble of going on a month or two of a strict diet, you know, he even says you can have three eggs a day. This this cholesterol thing's a bit of a misnomer. Um, in three months, you'll actually feel a lot better. You will have lost weight. You, your skin will be cleaner. Your eyes will be whiter, and uh, you, your head will be a lot clearer. So, oh yeah, uh, diet does affect your body, and we know now that um, uh, the changing foods of today in this world. Uh, genetically modified foods and all sorts of things that are going on, um, you really need to look after your gut because the, the gastrointestinal tract from the lips to the anus is an organ in itself and it has to be looked after. Yeah. Well, well said. And I and I think that's really great to talk about it because we're, so many of us are suffering and have suffered with our gut and uh, discomfort. And, uh, you know, I've, I've suffered with uh, Crohn's disease and um, I've managed to get it under, you know, um, refused the bag and I managed through diet over the years to kind of keep, keep away from having to go there. And uh, on these foods, you can really manage it and get your life back. So it's really worth looking at because he does state the foods in there that you can and can't have when you're first on it and how, how some of the foods you can slowly pull back in and have now again so it's not like never forever that you can never have a tomato again or never have a nightshade again but you've just got to sort of get rid of them to begin with so your body's got a chance to, to recover and then find out slowly but surely what your body can take but you're guided well through that and uh yeah it's just it's just absolutely fascinating doctor isn't it so again that there is a there's a lot of things that you've pointed out peanuts soy barley lentils rice Lima beans, kidney beans, potatoes, split peas, wheat, six. You know, there's all sorts of things that we would have to bring ourselves off. Alcohol, all sorts. I've done it and I've, I've done it being there, seen it, got the T-shirt. And it is tough. But if you want to get your, your, your sort of, is it your biome? Is it your gut biome back into health and or your gut forest? Yeah. Yeah. Many people out there don't <clears throat> display any ill effects. They think, oh, I don't have any old problems you're talking about. 
even when they're exposed to large amounts of them. But they're lucky. That's because for everyone to know whether or not they have a low tolerance to lectins is just unknown. Symptoms of lectin sensitivity range from mild to high, but um, one of the easiest ways to determine whether or not you're lectin sensitive is simply a blood test, which you can get these days. Yeah. Uh, and even um, in Australia, they have a breath test. Um, right. Uh, and of course, the biopsy is the, the most uh, accurate form uh, when they uh, do a gastroscopy. Because symptoms of lectin sensitivities are the result of chemical reactions within our immune system, these trigger the immune responses that our body then produces antibodies, which is our primary immune defence. And as a reaction to the lectins, uh, we'll have our own answer right away. We'll know, wow, is that lectin positive or lectin negative? You'll know straight away whether or not you're going to have a problem or not by the bloating and all those other things, the gaseousness, the diarrhoea and uh, the general little health. Nothing worse. And if you've got gastroenteritis, you're going to have a form of infective uh, gluten sensitivity straight away because the infection has damaged the lining. So uh, that's why when you get gastroenteritis, you should have a, a food holiday, go on to clear fluids, soups, mm. uh, and stay away from heavy meals so that yeah. you can give the gut a rest from the acid production. Well, I think it's great. You know, I think we've got to stop putting sticky plasters over things and we get all these advertisements on television with things that we should take to, you know, oh, if you've got acid, take this. But no, if you've got acid, look at why you've got acid. You know, don't just take a sticky plaster and take more Galveston or whatever. Oh, so, no, you, you can't keep putting petrol on the fire. You've got to actually stop doing that. Yeah. Um, on that note, I'd like to just bring up about the couple of people that was asking about quantum healing hypnosis. Um, I've since talked with you people and um, actually had an online talk, so that's done. If there is anybody else out there wanting to know about quantum healing hypnosis technique, of which I'm a practitioner, I can share with you. But um, I'll just give you a rough outline. And if you want to email me and hear any more, we can have those discussions. So just to give you a rough outline, quantum healing hypnosis technique, um, Dolores Cannon's method of hypnosis, quantum healing hypnosis technique, once more, or QHHT, involves inducing an individual into the synambulistic state of trance through visualization. So it's actually a state which under ordinary circumstances is experienced only twice daily. Um, the moment just before you become consciously awake and the moment just before you fall asleep. Historically, um, hypnosis or hypnotists have actually avoided um, conducting research with subjects in this state because of the often quite strange and inexpressible results which are recorded. And I've, I've experienced these, so I know what they're saying, but they're not dangerous, as is said by clinical hypnotists of years ago. But Dolores um, Cannon began her research of lost knowledge, that's what she calls it, because she's written this all in books, 17 odd books, lost knowledge and um, reincarnation in the late 1960s by developing QHHT for past life regression sessions with her subjects. Now, the point actually behind doing this at all, the people that come to get quantum healing hypnosis is they've exhausted everything else and nothing has worked for them with regard to perhaps, you know, trying all the different drugs and things like that or trying the various different things. And this is something they come to try as almost like, I'll try this because it sounds crazy, it sounds 
bizarre, but it works for many people. It really does. So that was just a really rough outline in case anybody's interested. And you can look Dolores Cannon up online, of course, and uh, she talks about all the variable things. And so, Doctor, you've read all of her books and I've studied the quantum healing hypnosis. And that's where we met on the cruise, uh, cruise ship conference. So what do you have to say about her work yourself? Yes, well, Tracy, we met on the cruise where um, uh, Dolores was lecturing and we, we went to the workshops and we, uh, the whole class went through the period of coming off the cloud and going into their own little um, experience. It's different to meditation. You, can, you feel completely different and you, and you learn something about yourself and it helps you with your life. So, yeah, I think it's got a great place. And um, the, the fascinating thing is, as you mentioned, she's, a, uh, she's not only a therapist, but she's a uh, search of knowledge. And she's, she's learned a lot about this planet and uh, civilizations, you know, which, have, which aren't even documented down because all the documents have been destroyed. But she goes into past lives that... That, that teach us about ourselves and how we've um, come up through the ages. So, yeah, obviously that might take uh, be more for uh, an open mind on those subjects. It's not for everybody, and I appreciate that. But I think it's really good to be open and balanced for us all out there that can grab at the things where we're comfortable with. Well, yes, laughter is the best medicine. Now, that's an oldie. Well, I think that's been absolutely great. I think um, I think we've kind of hit upon what we need to hit upon for this uh, session. So thank you for popping by. And is there any little message at this time of year that you'd like yes. to give to the listeners out there? Anything, because they're going to be doing a little bit more drinking. It's going to start coming on. What would you give as a remedy for a hangover, a Christmas hangover? Because the parties are just about starting. There's nothing like starting a lectin-free diet. Test yourself out. Survey the symptoms. Take a week off. Give it a week or more. Give it the elimination diet to to wish for and have a shot at that and even try 90 days and in that you'll know. You'll know how great you feel. Well, I I, I can kind of hear in the distance, oh, bugger off, Doctor. We'll start it in the new year. (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You have a go then. I'll see you again next year. But... uh, no, the other thing is just be happy, you know. Yeah. There's no stress in life. They're all up there laughing at us you know, as we play a silly little games and struggle. But, you know, we'll be fine. We'll all be good. Yes. So, you know, I suppose, I suppose on my note, what I'd say to people, it, it's hard to do, but try and drink a glass of water for each drink you have so you just don't get too rat-assed, you know. I think you mean dehydrated, my life. Try and give your body that water back. And uh, so I'd like to thank everybody out there for having listened um, with us uh, today, this morning. It's been absolutely wonderful. So always is. And we have some yummy people coming up. We really do. I've been going on about Martin Hudson and we've got Christina Booth and, oh, we've got... Stuart Nicholson from Galahad, and we've got more. And we've got the wonderful BBC announcer, Sarah Walker, BBC broadcaster, yeah. So, uh, yeah, lots lots coming up and uh, all in good time. We're trying to shift things forward by way of getting better technical gear, but it does upset the system a bit, and particularly my system, because, uh, as I've said before, it's always um, a real workhorse for me. <laughs> Change creates um, things that take a little while to settle in, don't they, Doctor? Mm-hmm. 
They do indeed. <laughs> so don't forget, drink plenty of water and um, enjoy yourselves at all the parties. I know we're going to be chatting soon, but I know the parties have started to begin out here. As I, said, I think it's Saturday coming up or the Saturday after. I know we're going out on a boat this year, aren't we? So um, Yeah, Christmas party on a boat this year. That's it. <laughs> okay, so to everybody out there, thank you for listening in again. So take care of yourselves wherever you are. Uh, be safe and kitchen up i know you're going to do that anyway keep smiling smile through this all uh, we're getting there aren't we and uh and you have much to look forward to and uh life itself so let's embrace that and uh until next week uh thank you very much again for supporting the show please send me in any of your messages and doctor can you give your email to anybody out there that would like to personally come through to you and uh, um, keep things very personal. I'll try and help out. Yes, you can send uh, your medical requests, if you have any, to my um, special dedicated email line at yaxley, Y-A-X-L-E-Y 26 at yahoo.com. That'll be the area where you can send your medical requests and I can answer them and... uh, and um, we'll incorporate them in the show in, in, in future shows, as you wish, Tracy. Yeah. And, and if the person really requests that they do not wish to have their name and the way that they would, you know, they can discuss that with you if they, if they need to. That doesn't need to come to me. And you can put that out on the show as you see fit when we have the next Dr. Prog. I, I just want to make that clear because the Hippocratic Oath is so important and we, we have to keep that going here. We have to, um, people need to be comfortable so that we can share their stories and it helps other people. That's the main thing, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Added value, that's what we call it. Okay, so on that note, this time I really am going. (laughs) And uh, again, once again, thanks very much. Um, So please join me next week. I'm not sure which guest it's going to be yet. I've not decided, you know, so um, I'm kind of, yeah, we're kind of hanging in the balance there a bit. So I know you're going to enjoy it, though, because it's always going to be fun. And uh, so thank you, Dr. Prog. You're just about to say goodbye. Goodbye. Do you like that one? Goodbye. Goodbye, Dr. Frog. Okay, so thank you again, everybody. So have yourselves a great rest of the day or evening or night, wherever you may be. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Lots of love to you out there. Again, thank you for supporting the show. Please let me know anything also at tracyhitchensmusic at gmail.com. And I look forward to sharing with you next week. It's over and out from Tracy's Prog World. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.